looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. And our series is on becoming a leader like Christ. And those of you that have been with us for this journey of studying the life of Christ from a leadership perspective, there's a lot even in that Passion Week that we could look at as an example of Christ. Because we know that there's no greater leader than the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no perfect leader. There may be some good leaders and maybe even some great leaders, men and women, young and old. But there's no perfect leader other than the Lord. And if you will, for just a moment, you might see even the picture in the Passion Week. Here he is, king. Now, I know we perhaps will never be a king, but in a way we might be an influencer where many people will look to us and ascribe to us a certain degree of influence and power and title and position and all of that. And uh, we can enjoy that for the moment, but the reality of it is to still look to Christ as our model of a leader. That even when we have those moments where people will respect us and send us all those nice notes and compliment us, that in times of leadership, it's more than just receiving the accolades. It's going all the way to meet the needs of the people. And there may be a time that you're going to stand up for something that is righteous and true, with integrity, biblical, and you're going to have to go through the same thing that you might feel that you'll have people you thought were praying for you and they're not. And you might have to go amongst people who will criticize you. And maybe they might be in a position that they take away your position, your title of leadership or leader. And then you might have to go through your own form of crucifixion. And folks, there's nothing that we could ever go through that will ever match what Christ went through for us. But I can tell you that if you know Christ as Savior, no matter what you do go through, because you've stood for decency and honesty and integrity as a leader, that you might be crucified, and I say that in quotes, there still is a resurrection that we will have, and yea, we can even live the resurrected life here until our bodies are resurrected and we can be forever with the Lord. So there's even a model in the life of Christ at the very end that we leaders can look to. So when you go through your Via Dolorosa, and you go through your time of marginalization and being abused by those that are around you, I want you to know that that's just a tiny little glimpse, barely a paragraph in the book of life, that you're like Jesus Christ. And what you can say is, Jesus loves you. He knows what you're going through because he's experienced that and so much more. And the beauty is that he says, I redeemed you so you can have a better life, an eternal life in heaven. So that's why, again, we're still in this series. And today we're going to conclude this series on becoming a leader. And I'd like to tell you that this message is a lot longer than what I have time to give today. So I'm going to do this for you. Those of you that would like to have the full written version of it, it will be on the internet. You can go to our website. Or if you want to, you can even email me and request it, and I'll be glad to give it to you for $45. I'm joking. It'll, I'll send it to you freely. I want you to have it. But there is enough in today's message that you'll have plenty to chew on through the Spirit to help you to become the leader that God wants you to. You'll also notice that in the back of your uh, student version outline that you have in front of you would be two pages of books that I might recommend on leadership. Now, when I say I recommend those, it doesn't mean that I agree with everything that's in the book, but there's enough in there that could add value to your life. In addition, those of you that go to the website or write me personally, I will give you an expanded bibliography. And so I really want you to know that I'm here to help you in any way that I can. Why is that? Not because that someday you might be a CEO of a multi-million dollar company or you may be mayor or governor or president, 
But I just know that if you've chosen to be around people, that you're going to influence them. And if I could help build you and add value to your life so that when you're around people, you begin to think about the needs of others and how that you can build them up, then I'll feel like this series not only is biblical, but it has practical value for everyone that's here. So today we want to talk about how did Jesus lead others? And for you, you might think in terms of how can I lead my family? How can I lead the people in my small group study? Or how can I lead the people at work? Or how can I lead the people on my team? Wherever you might be. As long as you're around people, you can impact them, no matter who you are. I've selected a verse, and I've taken it out of the paraphrase version, Luke 22:26, and you'll see it in your notes. And here's what it says. Jesus said, the one who serves you best will be your leader. You might want to circle the word serve there, because really service is leadership. It's not really someone who's demanding like a, a dictator or something. It's really someone who's willing to be a servant. In fact, I'd like to use a different word besides just the word influencer. I'd like to use the word a people builder. Now, true, you can't really build anybody up. That's a choice they make based on quality information they're given and they want to apply it. But they don't get the quality information if they don't see it modeled in your life or mentioned from your tongue around them. So I hope you'd want to be a people builder. And that's what really being a leader is all about, wanting to influence other people. So it's involved in service. So let's look now at seven principles that I'm going to take from the life of Christ. There's plenty more, but seven for today. First of all, if we want to lead like Jesus did, then we need to give people an example. We need to give them an example to follow. Now, what does it mean to be a model or to be someone that we're going to be an example to them? Well, first of all, you have to understand to do that, it starts with you and me. So for you and me right now, we have to then step up to the plate and say, all right, I know that people are going to watch me. I want to be an example. I want to be a model to them, and it's very important. But as a leader, you know, in most cases, the people will never go any further than you have gone. Are you catching that? So the further you go, the further that they'll go. It is my desire that those that are in a teaching ministry, especially in our church here, the pastors and others, that you would be not only having your intimate time with walking with God and the Bible study of yourself, but that you'll be sitting underneath other studies so that you would be learning how you can influence people further and further. One of my early prayers in this church was that we would not as a church grow any faster than the spiritual maturity of its leadership. And so I was really concerned about the spiritual life development of our leaders. And that's why we changed the title of Dennis Mendoza here from just being assistant pastor or maybe associate pastor to pastor of spiritual life development so that we'll all be growing in these areas and how important that is for all of us. Look over here, if you will, at John chapter 13, verse 15. Because Christ is our model, that's the one we follow. And here's what he says. I've given you an example to follow. Now do as I have done to you. So Jesus says, I did it, now you did it. So in a sense, he's saying to us, now you do it so others will follow you and do the same thing. You know, that reminds me of a verse by the great apostle Paul. He says, be imitators of me as I am imitating Christ. So here it is. If we want our followers, and I say that gently now, not that they're just following you like you're the Pied Piper, but those that are in a place of being influenced by you, if you want them to follow Christ, if you want them to be what you would like them to be before the Lord, the question is, is are you that way? I remember as I sat as a teenager in a youth group, I had a very wise youth pastor. And he said this, he said, how would you like all of your friends to be a Christian and act just the way you do? And we all kind of shuddered. No, we don't want that. And then he came in for the spiritual kill and he says, as long as you stay in a coasting situation, when you coast, you coast until you stop or coasting, you go downhill. So the choice is you've got to now 
connect to the Lord and grow in the Lord because the, the folks that are you're influencing will be just like you. And we know that, and so it's very important. So let me share with you a verse that basically talks about being an example. If you look now over at 1 Timothy, if you will, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, and here's what you read. It says, set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Would you circle those words if they're in your Bible? Because if you're looking for a particular target saying, there's so much I need to be an example, and where should I begin? This would be a good one because you have Paul the mentor writing a letter to the mentoree down here, which would be Timothy, who is a pastor already of a church influencing others. And so what does he say? Very simple. He says, look at your speech. How do you talk to people? Are you ministering grace? Are you kind? We'll talk more about what to share with them a little bit later on this morning. How about in life? How do you live your life? Because how you live your life will be how those around you will live their life. How about in love? Are you showing love to other people? How about in faith? Do they see that you have a holy abandon to God? Do you really trust Him for your finances, your fitness, your family, for others? Do they really see a walk of faith? And then how about this? Purity. Do they see that you are an honest person that has honesty, decency, integrity? Are you a person that is really one that's going to yield your life for the needs of other people? So there's our example. Now let me speak for a moment to those of you that are the future pastors that are here. Maybe you're in a pastoral role right now. The next verse is found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3. It talks about those of you that are in a pastoral role, not to be a dictator, but that we're to be models as well. It says, don't lord it over people assigned to your care, but lead them by a good example. So my question to you to begin with, if we're to model what we should model in front of the people, have you made a commitment to Jesus Christ? Can you go down memory lane and remember a time that you and the Lord had a spiritual encounter wherever it might be, however long ago, where you came to Christ and your first conversation of substance was this. Lord, I am a sinner. I know that you are the Lord. I know that you're the Savior. I know that you died and rose again. And Lord, I am such a sinner. I need your forgiveness for my sin. And since you did all of that to pay for my sin and you told me that if I place my faith alone in you, I could have everlasting life, then right now, Lord, I am receiving your forgiveness because I'm trusted in you to be my forever Savior. Can you remember a time that you went to Christ and did that? Your first conversation of substance. Here's the second conversation of substance. It might have happened nearly right then or soon thereafter. Where now you come to him and you say, Lord, I want to thank you that all my sins are paid for. I want to thank you that you are my father and I'm in your, in your forever family. But Lord, I've kind of been a little duplicit in this. I want you as my Savior, but I want my own way too. And I'm realizing that I've stepped so much out of bounds that my life seems to be empty. I've walked away from the sunshine in my life, you. And so, Lord, I want to come back to you and I want to say, Lord, you are not only my Savior, but I am surrendering to you as my manager, my CEO, my counselor, the one who has the right to tell me to do whatever you want me to do. And by your grace and power and your help, your strength, that I'll do that. But right now, I want you not only as my Savior, but I want you as my Lord. Now, if you don't go to those two steps and all the rest that I give you will be great stuff that I could teach at a business and professional seminar, pretty much. But if you really want to make a difference in the lives of the other people, you have to come to the time of trusting Christ as Savior and then making Him the Lord of your life. Not to stay saved or to get saved, but now because you are and you want to influence other people. So to be an example, you go to the Lord first and now you are plugged into that power source in a way that you've never been before. You can be that example. 
All right, let's go to the second principle in the life of Christ, and that is to give people a greater purpose. As I went through the life of Christ, I found that all the people that were around him, he seemed to touch in a way to take them to another level, gave them another purpose for their life so they wouldn't see themselves as just a snowflake in the blizzard of humanity. And I got thinking, isn't that what a leader is all about? A leader isn't just to come alongside someone so they can shuck and jive with them. A leader is supposed to take people from where they are to go to another level. It has to have those people want to go to that next level, who want to have greater potential in their life. And so if you're a leader, then you're starting to think in terms of how can I take people to another level in their life? What's a, a better area? I'm thinking about challenging people. Some of us, if you look at them, the more we challenge them, the more they want to stretch and do a little bit more. Now, I do know that you can challenge people by putting them on a guilt trip. I know you can challenge them by getting them to go so far beyond that they're already out of the will of God and they snap in some way, socially, emotionally, spiritually. And so we don't want to challenge them that way. But we do want them to stretch just a little bit because everybody really does need to stretch. Now, I might tell you this. If you are going to help people to see a greater purpose in their life, listen now. God has that purpose in their life. And so you can't put everybody in the same box. Not everybody is going to have the same purpose that God has for them. Now, let me correct that or clarify it rather. Everybody has the purpose as a Christian to glorify the Lord. Everybody has a purpose to live according to Scripture. But how they live it out in the particular life ministry or life career that they have could be a little bit different. And that's why with your intimacy with the Lord as a leader and you come alongside these people desiring to get them to another level, you're partnering with God more than with them. So you need to make sure you're really connected to the Lord as you are now meddling in that person's life. Now, some of you, you're going to step back and you're going to say, I don't want any of that. That's too big for me. I can understand the fear factor and all of that. But I can also say this, that you then will be missing a golden opportunity that God would have for you to add value to that person's life. And you will cease having the kind of effective influence in their life that they should have. So everybody's different as you begin to work with them. Let me give you a couple of areas that you might want to challenge. First of all, might be their priorities that they have in their life. So look at your sons and your daughters for just a moment. How are the priorities stacking up with Scripture? Well, in the whole concept of priorities, your priorities mean that as you look at them, they have to be in the right order. If they're not in the right order, then they have to give up one, they have to give up this in order to get that. So when you're dealing with priorities, here's the key. In your own life, you have to say, for me to go from here to there, I have to say, I have to give this up. Now, for some of personalities like mine, I get bored in an area, so I want to step up and do something else. Others, rightly so, they're wired that way. They're on this step right here, and they're saying, I don't want to get off this step. I like this step. It's safe in this step. I realize that too. But at the same time, God says, sometimes we have to rearrange our priorities. Let me show you a Bible verse, and you'll see what I mean. One time, there was a young CEO. He had pretty much everything he wanted in his life, and now he's wanting to know what else he could do. He's basically bored. And so he thought, how can I get more out of life? And so he goes up to the Lord and basically saying, I've got it made. Maybe like some of you, you come to a point in your life right now, you're saying, I'm pretty good. Everything's going, so, going good so far in my life. And you have a little bit of boredom in your life, a little bit of, I like where it's going right now, but I don't want, I got to do more. There's something inside of me. My heart's beating after something else. Very much like this guy that came up to the Lord. So here's what the Lord did in challenging his priorities. He said, go and sell what you own. Give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Now let me make this clear. This is the only person in the entire Bible that the Lord said that challenge to to change his priorities. 
So the application is in that you have to sell everything that you have, give everything away to the poor so they become rich, and now you go follow the Lord. The greater principle is this. This was a wealthy person. He was hanging on to his treasures. And what the Lord was saying is, for you that are hanging on to your treasures, and that became your life, you have to give up this, the treasures, give it away to the poor, so you can get a greater treasure over here. So it's like some of us that are eating hamburger, and the Lord is saying, I've got steak out there. Now, those of you that are vegans, you probably could care less, all right? But for the most part, you know where I'm going with this. To go from here to there, we have to be willing to give it up. Are you willing to do that? The missionaries that have ever made a mark for God learned one thing, and it was called self-denial. And I don't know what it is in your life or my life, but I think there's some things that we might be able to work on in the area of giving up certain things to get something better. Here's the second area. You can write this in your notes. Sometimes he challenges us in our faith. Look, if you will, at this verse. A very important verse in Matthew 10. Jesus sent the disciples out with this instruction. Go announce the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, by the way, let's just pause for a moment. He sends his disciples to go out and tell people the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, read the rest of the verse because this contrast gets pretty cool. Then, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give freely as you have received. Now, if you look at that verse, most of us would probably say, okay, I can go out and tell people that heaven is near and you can have it by faith alone and all of that. And so you might say that's pretty easy. Now, some of you, that's even a leap. But then for some of you, you're going to say, wait a minute, it says to heal and do all of this stuff. I can't do that. Well, again, there's a greater principle. It's not that you have to announce the kingdom of heaven is here and that all of you got to be healers. All right. It is saying, though, that sometimes when the Lord asks us to do something, it's going to be out of the box. It's going to have to stretch us, and it's going to require faith to take us who are here in a safe zone to do something that we're not quite as comfortable with. Now, if you need an illustration that's even greater than that, remember this. The faith is saying, Lord, you want me to do something. It's clear in Scripture. Now I need to trust you. If you can do it all by yourself, then you're wobbling in the area of doing it in the flesh. But when you come to this point that says, I can't, you can, therefore I will, just take last Sunday's sermon. And look what he did. Little as much with the loaves and fishes in the hand of the Lord. All right? So you take your life, little as much, take what you have, and follow it in faith in believing. Now, let me make this a little bit more clear for you. Some of you, you know that in your heart, you've got to go to someone and ask their forgiveness. And you know that that's very hard for you to do. For you, you're going to have to take it by faith and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you to help me to do something that is right. Some of you, God is asking you to begin giving a 10% or something, whatever number it might be, to stretch you a little bit. You're saying, I don't have the money. I can't do that. You can, he can, therefore you will. You'll stretch your faith. Others of you, it might be the first part of that. You know there are people that are around you in your neighborhoods, new people that have come to work with you, people that are in your team or club. You might say, I know I should invite them. I'm not ready yet myself to give them the gospel. I don't know how to open it. I don't know what they're going to do. They ask me questions. I don't know the answer to. But I can at least get them to church somehow because I know the pastor will give the message on the gospel clearly. And so for you, that's your step of faith. Whatever it might be for you now, to stretch others, you yourself have to set your priorities, you have to have faith, and then you can help them do it. There's one more area there in the aspect of stretching us for the greater purpose, and that is we have to give up small thinking. Now think about that for a moment. Sometimes we think very, very small. And if we're small thinking, those that are around us will also get lost in the sauce of small thinking as well. 
Look, if you will, at the verse in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. We who live now with internet, technology, jets, being able to go all around the world, our world is very, very small. But in these days, the Bible days, it was a very huge world. And I want you to take yourself back in that little town where these people did not know about the distant lands. These little fishermen, these little guys that were here in the band of brothers with Jesus. I want you to think about the little world in which they lived in for that moment. And here's what they heard their master say, their leader say to them. Go and make disciples, and now circle it, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now what he's really doing here is he's saying, guys, you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. But I want you to realize that you're not just to be a fisher of men right here in your own backyard. But I want you to have one eye on your own backyard. But I want another eye on the world. Because I'm going to be gone. And the only help you're going to get is going to be from my spirit. But I need you to take this message all over the world. What is he doing right then? He is giving them a greater purpose for their life than what they had. If I had the time to sit down with you, I'd love to get into your head. To find out how God wired you. So that we could find out why are you here? It's not just to go into town to work every day and come back. That's important. And to provide three meals for your kids. And that's important. And to play a little bit and go to some of the fairs and festivals. That's all neat. But why are you here? Every moment of every day is like a taxi cab clock ticking. And we have to give an account for that. So what on earth are you here for? I guess, you know, my birthday was a couple of weeks ago. I'm getting older now. I'm realizing I don't have as much time. Frankly, I don't know how much time I have here at this church before my health, mental or physical, is down. I'm not leaving, so don't worry about that. In fact, you'll have to hold the microphone as I'm up here. All right, I want to preach to you. I have to pry it out of my hands. But at the same time, I know that I only have a short time. So you know what? I am asking God, what, what, what do I have left to do? What do you want me to do? I don't want to miss a moment because I, I've wasted too much time in the last six years that I've been here. And I'm nobody special. But each one of you, whatever you have, whatever your health level is, you still can go beyond where you are. And the people that are with you can as well. Watch this. I don't want to watch history happen around me. I would like to partner with God and be allowed to make history. And I don't know what it is, so I don't have an agenda. I'm not saying, God, I'm going to do this. No, God, I'm just going to follow you. But I don't want to watch history. I want to make history with every ounce that I have. I don't know. I, ho- I hope that might be where you are. I know that's where I'd like to be, and that's what I'm praying about. So what can I do to help another person to discover their purpose? I want you to, for just a moment, inside of your notes here, I'm going to give you four words. This will help you now to help someone to see a greater purpose for their life. So listen carefully. First of all, what you're going to do is you're going to think for just a moment of the people that are around you that you feel responsible for to influence in a very special way. Now, dads, it could be your sons, moms, it could be your daughters, and I'm just giving you some to pick out your own. And while I park on your family, and I, I, I celebrate your family, and I celebrate those of you that have many kids, grandkids as well, in-laws as well, sometimes we get so myopic we think it's only our kids. And it can't be just that. It's not focus only on the family. You, got, you hear what I'm trying to say? It's got to be a little bit broader than that too because the world is big. So... I've got to think, who's around me? Who's in my life? You brought them into my life. You gave me this child. I could have adopted anyone. We could have birthed anyone. I could have worked at any other job. I could have been on any other club. I could have lived in any others, on any other street. This is who I am right now. So, Lord, 
give me in my mind. I want to think, who's around? Who do I want to change my life? What do I want to stop doing so I have time to start doing something to help that person have a greater purpose? The second word is the word pray. You're going to now ask the Lord, Lord, give me insights about the strengths of this other person. What are they strong in? It's easy to pick out all the problems they've got. They don't do this, they don't do that. And you don't want to deny that they've got issues. I've got issues, you've got issues, we all have issues. But for a moment, just think about their strengths. What are they good at? So you ask the Lord, God help me to know what their strengths are. What's their talent? What's their passion? What's their gifting? What's their ability? Look at it. The third word is the word ask. You come back to yourself and now you ask them. Lord, I now see that they have potential. Lord, I want you to help me. What do I do now to connect to them? So it's who are they? Now, Lord, how do I connect to them? So you're going to ask what I can do. We can't do everything, but what can I do? And the fourth word is the word suggest. Now, this is where it gets more difficult. Anybody can think. We can all pray. We can all ask. But now you've got to, the praying's over, the thinking's over, the asking's over. Now you've got to go eyeball to eyeball, nose to nose, toes to toes with another person. Jesus just didn't sit in some little hut thinking that through that the world would be reached. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.